on this episode of JR the P. Monique. She had had some trials and tribulations in the entertainment industry in recent years. And she recently did a podcast, an interview, on the Club Shay Shay uh, platform. You know, um, Shannon Sharp, he is the proprietor of Club Shay Shay. And, you know, he had on the show a multi-talented actress, comedian, Academy Award winner, you know, entertainer, Monique. You know how he goes into his intro. You know how he goes into his intros. They're so epic. Great show. Been digging it for the last few months now. Anyway, Captain Crunch looks like a white supremacist, but he does make good um, cereal. But I digress. I'm at the grocery store, minding my own business, and I get a hankering for cereal. Then I start noticing, hmm, cereal prices are either low when milk is high or milk is high and cereal prices are low. Coincidence? Because they go hand in hand, you know, like vanilla and chocolate or like, you know, Ren and Stimpy. Like they go hand in hand. Do they not? Milk and cereal. It's a conspiracy. The milk cereal price fix is a conspiracy, folks. When one goes high, the other goes low. I saw the interview. I enjoyed it. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing from like these big players like Oprah, Tyler Perry, Lee Daniels, some of the comics that Monique called out. The whole D.L. Hughley fiasco. You know, D.L. was pretty heated about some of Monique's comments. I would love to see him answer long form with Club Shay Shay and with Club Shay Shay. You know, going to the, going to the, uh, you know, get get on that seat of truth. Get on that seat of truth and um, state your case. You know what I mean? That's kind of where I think, I think I would say like as a, professional and as performers as they are I think they would have to answer in that venue because that's where it's meaningful Lucky Charms that's me Lucky Charms they're magically delicious that's me Lucky Charms boy what's happening folks it's your old chuckle buddy guess who Jonathan James Ram Charan Reporting live for duty on this magnificent February 10th in the year of our Lord, 2024. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Slide whistles. They're pretty funny. Weird little dorky funny sound. You know, just having a little fun. <clears throat> well, now that that's out of the way, if you knew the show, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast, that is. This is a show where I gob, gab, squawk, and blab about myself in order to relate to y'all self. Y'all the dear listener. 
y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs, forever. Yeah. Like I always encourage, you know. Put me in your will. I encourage it, you know. I talk current events, politics, entertainment, my own trials and tribulations, my own, um, you know, journey in the performing game and just in life. And it's quite meaningful. People enjoy it. People ignore it. You know, but at the end of the day, if you're enjoying it, hey, put me in your will. You know, that way when you're on your deathbed and, you know, your fake phony, fake ass family members come crying around your bedside. Uh, he's dead. Then they read the will. Motherfucker. He left everything to Jonathan of Jonathan Ramchand, on the podcast, that is. That's how meaningful my show is. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, clips available on Rumble, my own website, Janathan, pronounced Janathan, Janathan-Ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please, would you help my black ass out already? Share me with a friend. Sharing is caring, folks. You know it truly is. And that's how you know I'm telling the truth. Politician thumb. You know it truly is. We're going to get this economy back to work. We're going to get taxes down. We're going to get those potholes filled. And we're going to get you subscribed to Jonathan Ramter and the podcast. And we're going to get you 25,000 vaccines. Yes. Quick, quick sip of water, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Every now and then you gotta have a little sip of water. Water break, boss. Now it was mighty kind of you, boss, to let me have a little sippy poo of uh, water now, boss. But I do now have to do run this podcast. Got to get back to work here, so I'm gonna do what I do best, and that's podcast. And uh, well, maybe not what I do best, but um, you know, I well, what the fuck? Maybe I shouldn't say that. It is a podcast, after all. That's all I ever do is podcast. It's the best thing that I do. I was born to podcast. I was born on a podcast platform. Cereal prices. Hey, there's something awfully squooey going on around here. Uh, oh, that wascoey Wuhan wabbit. There's something fucking awfully... Fishy going on around here. Awfully screwy, you know? Ever since, like, you know, COVID, people have been saying, you know, like, inflation, inflation, inflation. That Wuhan wabbit, you know, inflation goes up. But, um, I don't know. I think it's just like a leftover excuse to price gouge, you know, a motherfucker. I'm at the grocery store the other day, minding my own business. Just minding my own business. I'm like, you know, I start getting a hankering for, you know, some cereal. It's been a minute. I like shreddies. I like all types of cereal. I like shreddies. I like Raisin Bran. You know, shit yourself silly. But, you know, I do like Raisin Bran and, uh, you know, Lucky Charms. That's me, Lucky Charms. They're magically delicious. That's me lucky charms, boy. 
You know, so I like me Lucky Charms. I like my fucking Frosted Flakes. They're great. I like Captain Crunch, that fucking white supremacist. <laughs> Not that I believe in that shit. But, you know, Captain, Cru- Captain Crunch looks sort of like fucking, what was that guy's name? Uh, Duke of, Dukes of Hazard or Daniel Duke or whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, the guy from the KKK. That motherfucker looks like a white supremacist, Captain Crunch. But he makes delicious cereal. Not that I'm too concerned with white supremacy anyways. Eat it, pal. You don't like my black ass? I don't need you to like my black ass. What do I care? You know? Oh, white supremacy. White supremacist. What the fuck do I care, buddy? If that fucking weirdo over there in a fucking bed sheet doesn't like me, I don't give a fuck. What do I care, buddy? <laughs> what do you think? I want to be friends with some clown who doesn't even know how to dress? You know, go get yourself a pair of Jordans or something, buddy. What are you walking around in a nightgown for? Walking around with a fucking bedsheet on, you fucking mental patient, weirdo. You know, I don't want to be friends with him anyway. You know, I don't give a shit about a white supremacist. Anyway, Captain Crunch looks like a white supremacist. But he does make good um, cereal. But I digress. I'm at the grocery store, minding my own business. And I get a hankering for cereal. And I start noticing, hmm. Cereal prices are either low when milk is high or milk is high and cereal prices are low. Coincidence? Because they go hand in hand, you know, like vanilla and chocolate or like, you know, Ren and Stimpy. Like they go hand in hand. Do they not? Milk and cereal. And I only started to notice this recently because, you know, um, I had been drinking a lot of soy. I've been drinking a lot of soy, soy milk, almond milk, cashew milk, the whole wackadoo. But, you know, I was getting kind of sick of that soy boy label. You know what I mean? Because, I don't know, if you've ever ventured into the soy milk aisle these days, (laughs) gives you the willies. A lot of, um, you know, spectrum people, like the alphabet people, there's a lot of kind of people hanging out in the soy milk aisle, right? So that's why I've been switching over to milk because I was like, you know, I'm sick of drinking soy. I'm sick of the soy boy label. All these, you know, spectrum types of people, alphabet people in the soy milk aisle. So whenever you go to the soy milk aisle, there's always some weirdo just, hi. Oh, do you think you can bend down there and fucking get me a carton of soy milk? Get away from me, buddy. All right. Look, I respect your lifestyle. I'm just trying to eat a bowl of cereal. All right? I have nothing to do with you and your alternative lifestyle, pal. All right? What's the big deal? We're both in the soy milk aisle, and we both like soy. Are you an ally of the soy milk aisle? No, I'm not an ally of the soy milk aisle. I ain't no fucking ally just because I drink soy milk. I drink soy milk because I like it, all right? And it's like a, you know, a vegan alternative to milk, or I think it's vegan anyway, but it's, you know, it's a little easier on the heifers. It's a little easier on the digestive system. It's a nice, clean alternative. Doesn't make me no fucking soy boy. Doesn't make me no alphabet person ally, you know? Make you sick to your stomach. I'm just trying to drink a bowl of cereal, or at least eat a bowl of cereal. Anyways, totally off the soy milk, and you can't blame me. You know, if you've ever been in the soy milk aisle these days, you know, there's all sorts of creeps just lurking. So that's when I noticed, you know, I'm like, let me switch back to milk. 
milk prices go up when cereal prices go down. Or when cereal prices go up, milk goes down. You know, because it's like, what are you going to do? Not eat, what are you going to just eat your cereal dry? You ever, ever try to eat a bowl of dry cereal? You know, choking to death, you know? I nearly choked on the bloody things. You know, you know, choking on a fucking bowl of cereal. You need to get milk, right? And like I said, if God bless the brave who will venture into the soy milk aisle these days. You know what I mean? Gives you the willies. So, um, yeah, I, I start to notice that. So then, like, I would be, like, shopping around. You know, because it's a conspiracy. This milk cereal price fix is a conspiracy. You know? Then you have to go to a different grocery store just to get a gallon of milk. Or here in Canada, we call them liters, I guess. So just to get a liter of milk, you got to hoof it all the way to a different grocery store where the prices of milk are down. Then you got to go back to the original store that you were at to get a box of cereal where the prices are down because it's either one or the other. You know, they want an arm and a leg for a box of cereal, but then they give away fucking milk like peanuts. Or they want an arm and a leg for a carton of milk and then cereal's up the wazoo. You know, it's a conspiracy. The milk cereal price fix is a conspiracy, folks. When one goes high, the other goes low. You know? You know, what are your thoughts? Hit me up in the comments. Like, am I... Hey... There's something awfully squooey going on around here. Uh, awfully squooey. Something screwy going on around here. It's a little fishy. I've been noticing that. And like like I said, competing grocery stores, you know, that grocery store will have milk at a low price, but a different grocery store will have a milk at a high price. So you're like, okay, well, I'll go to the low price milk store. But then when you're there, the cereal's fucking an arm and a leg. So then you got to go back to the other store just to get the cereal. It's a conspiracy, folks. I'm telling you. We need to get Captain Crunch on the case. Captain Crunch will fucking solve the case. If that's if, that's if he's not too busy, you know, burning a cross or something, you know, maybe Captain Crunch will solve it. He is a captain, right? He has some, like some sort of military detective type of training, right? So get Captain Crunch on the case when he's done burning a fucking cross or... I don't know what, you know. I was going to say bombing a church. <laughs> I thought that might be a little heavy in regards to bowls of cereal in the morning. You know, we are trying to talk about cereal here, and somehow I got into white supremacy and bombing churches. But, um, you know, did you hear that? I podcast from my apartment, and there's a... Some car just beeped outside the window. Anyway, I don't know how I got into this conversation, but it's a conspiracy, folks. This whole milk and cereal fiasco. So, yo. Keep an eye out. Moving right along here. Quick sip of water, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Monique. Monique. 
the Academy Award-winning actress, probably stand-up comedian first. Most comics uh, kind of hold that stature near and dear to their heart. So, you know, she's a stand-up comedian, Oscar-winning actress, um, you know, famed performer, Monique. She had had some trials and tribulations in the entertainment industry in recent years. And she recently did a podcast, an interview, on the Club Shay Shay uh, platform. You know, um, Shannon Sharp, he is the proprietor of Club Shay Shay. And, you know, he had on the show a multi-talented actress, comedian, Academy Award winner, you know, entertainer, Monique. You know how he goes into his intro. You know how he goes into his intros. They're so epic. Great show. Been digging it for the last few months now, and he's been having some amazing guests and content and discussion. When you were growing up in Baltimore, what did a young Monique want to be? Just what I'm doing right now, baby. You dreamed of this. Just when I tell you, Shannon, from a little girl, I always wanted to be famous. Okay. Because I saw the Jackson Five. Okay. And I saw people screaming for them and hollering. And I'm like, damn it, I want them to scream and holler for me, but I couldn't sing. Right. But I knew somewhere I was going to be famous. Right. So I prayed to the universe, just let me be famous. I didn't understand what all came with that. Mm -hmm. As a little girl, you just see the lights, the glamour, the glitz, and you fall in love with that. So that little girl fell in love with the lights, the glamour, and the the glitz. That little girl fell in love with a woman named Oprah Winfrey on a local talk show in Baltimore Mm -hmm. called People Are Talking. And when I looked at that woman, Shannon, I saw me. I saw a big woman with a big head, big shoulders, and big feet. And I said, if that woman can do that, so can I. So that's what that little girl was thinking about from Baltimore. Are you the type of person that if you see someone do something one time, that means it can be done again? Because you saw Oprah do it. You said, well, Oprah do it. Why can't Monique do it? I think Oprah, when I saw her do it as a little girl, was a push. Mm-hmm. However, had I not seen Oprah, my dreams would have still been my dreams. Okay. But when you see somebody that's inside of that space, because how many big black women are on TV even now? Correct. So back then, you didn't see any big black woman on TV that was doing it. So I think had I not seen her, I would have still wanted to do it. But seeing her, let me say, okay, it's possible. It's right there. So Monique, the recent one, um, basically her whole thing, her main grievance is that as an actress, she has many times been taken advantage of financially, underpaid, undercut, um, undermined regarding her worth in the industry. So, I don't know, I guess I wanted to know, like, how true is that as far as the Oprah Winfrey and Tyler Perry thing is concerned, that they were trying to get you to do all these interviews and you were telling them no? I appreciate you asking me that, Wanda. Um, When people were saying that I wasn't promoting Precious, if you just look for yourself and don't take my word for it, during that time, I promoted the heck out of that movie. I was on the Oprah Winfrey show. We were doing magazines. We were doing radio interviews. So all the promotions that needed to take place in America, 
I was more than happy and more than willing because that's what you do when you're trying to promote a movie. Mm -hmm. In reference to Tyler Perry and Oprah Winfrey calling, they did. And Sydney and I did speak with both of them. Tyler Perry's conversation, he and I actually had in Las Vegas at uh, one of Steve Harvey's Neighborhood Awards. And Tyler Perry called me into his room. He said, Monique, listen, if you go and promote this film, and I'm sorry, if you promote for the campaign of the Oscars, your next film, if you just get nominated, will be between three to five million dollars. If you win it, it's between six to eight million dollars because they were trying to get me to understand why I should go to Cannes in France to do the film festival. And I said to Tyler Perry in his room, and again, we always say, don't take my word for it. I said to Tyler, I said, brother, what I'm not into is the song and dance. I can't make that trip for free in the hopes that something may happen. Now, I've done all I'm supposed to do contractually and what I was obligated to do to promote that movie here. Well, no one knew the movie was no one knew the movie was going to do all of that. Right. Because initially, Lee was upset because before we went to the film festival in Sundance and it started getting all the hype, mm -hmm. the studios were saying, who's going to want to see two fat black women on the big screen? Mm. No, thank you. So when it came to us going to France, Oprah Winfrey, she did call. And when she and I initially talked, she said, what is it going to take to get you here in France? I said, sister, absolutely nothing. I am in the bed with my man and my children watching Curious George. <laughs> well, she kept asking questions. And at that point, Sydney got on the phone with Oprah Winfrey and they had a conversation. And when they were done speaking, she said, I totally understand. Now, I then get a call back from Lee Daniels and he said, wow. Oprah came up to me and said, you're right. She's really not impressed with all of this hoopla and awards. So, and I want to clear something up, too, in reference to me going to France. And I think that every woman listening, I think that every adult listening can understand or may want to try to understand where we're coming from. All of my business with the movie Precious was done with Mr. Daniels in America. Mm -hmm. There's not one person that's come out and said Monique breached her contract. She didn't do what she was supposed to do. None of that took place. When it came time to take this film internationally to the festivals, Lionsgate, they called Sydney up. And they said because of her promotions in the States, she did it so well. Right. We would love for her to go over to France to the Cannes Film Festival. I said, I respectfully decline. Now I want to tell y'all why I was declining. Because I had very little downtime. And if y'all can remember, at the time, there was a show called The Monique Show. I was the first black woman in history to have a late night show. So that was my priority. Mm -hmm. At the time, it was the award season. So I was flying back and forth to LA during the award season. At the time, I was on a comedy tour spread the love tour. So I was moving a lot. So when I did have some downtime, I said, I want to take this time and give it to my family. So when Lionsgate called and asked would I go over to France, I simply said I respectfully declined. Mm -hmm. They then called the second time. Well, if we upgrade her hotel room and we give her a few more days in France, will she take it? I respectfully declined. 
They then called a third time and said to Sydney, what is it going to take to get Monique to France? And what did you say, Sydney? Is there a dollar amount associated with that offer you're speaking about? So Here's the great part about it. Mm -hmm. As you know, and when you live long enough, you understand that people will say a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But what happens is if you notice the fluidity in which Monique is speaking with you and you watch the careful manner in which Mr. Daniels is speaking, and again, not because he's not honorable, but the weight and the density of Hollywood is heavier than you can believe. And the lights are drawing people to it like moths. So he's no different. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't want to look bad. Mm -hmm. So we understand why he's taking the position that he's going to take. But we all got told stories as children about what happens when you don't tell the truth. And that ultimately it's going to come out. And as you said, you know who this individual is. And the question that I would ask you is, if Lionsgate is not making a demand to us by simply asking what would it take to get Monique there, how is it a demand to give a retort, which is, was there a dollar amount associated with this? And then they reply, we do not pay for promotions. And we said, we completely understand. However, I would be remiss in not doing what I was supposed to do when someone says, you have completed your obligations or you, from a state side, she took that on as this is her obligation. Again, the proof is in the pudding. You've seen what right. it is that she's done. But when we say you've completed it and we want you to come in and do something for us and the upgrade is that we're going to fly you over there first class and treat you well, but you really don't get an opportunity to enjoy it. And there was one other amenity that they had added on. We could even allow you to stay there a little later after everything is over. She respectfully declined. So when someone asks you, what is it that we could do in addition to to make this happen? I'm thinking they're asking you to excavate the realms of your mind right. and see what you can come up with to make this happen. Well, because where we're from, we don't get paid in candy. We don't get paid with treats. They do on the regular show, though. On the regular show. And lollipops. Lollipops. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's a different dimension. So where we are, we get paid according to dollars. Once he said, once they said no, then we can simply say, well, we appreciate your time and thank you. So from there, here's the firestorm. Now, um, I've seen Precious. She did a chilling, bone-chilling portrayal of that wicked mother. Wow, what a, what a guttural. <laughs> what a, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Mo. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how she was going off. I'm a fat chick. I'm a fat chick. Baby, don't have no problem saying that, Shannon. I'm going to get, Shannon, don't you have no problem sitting there with your big self, um, having no problems calling me no, I'm a fat woman. <laughs> so, I mean, she's a comedian. She's very humble in her opinion. I mean, she's very humble about herself. So, you know, um, I guess I accidentally called her a fat chick or something and as I was speaking just now, but um, it's only because I heard her say it. She's a fat chick. One might say, Mo, well, I mean, if the role of they're looking for a black. Um, big, go ahead and big, say it. 
chin is so careful with his words. He wants to say fat not, black woman. If the role looking for a fat black woman, Mo, but he was nah, like, nah, no. Nah, nah, I want to uh, keep my podcast, Mo. Uh, Y'all ain't finna cancel this me. This is why we love you, Uncle Shay Shay, because we want you to say it, a fat black woman. Now, me and Oprah fit the <laughs> damn description, Shay. Fat black. <laughs> Don't we fit it? You, you do. But I'll be right back here. I'll be your neighbor up there where you live at. Listen here. Me. Listen here. <laughs> listen here. So, <laughs> so, are you lying? No. Now, no. I'm not going to have your big ass sitting here in the Hall of Fame and you scared to say shit. Okay. And I want to uh, excuse myself for any of the babies that might be watching this, because I wasn't going to say no spicy things. But Shay Shay get me wrong now. Come on, uh, Shay. But anyway, you know, she plays that big mother, that menacing mother in Precious. And, um, wow, you know, you kind of see some of the gravitas that she has in regards to her performing. And... You know, it's the tale as old as time, really. I'm an actor, comedian myself. And, like, yeah, that's what the MO, method of operation, sadly, is in show business. It's not like any other business. Like, what I see on my level and what I'm kind of understanding from Monique, and she's, um, you know, well up in the game, they just... They can undermine you and undercut you. And, um, you know, here she is, an Academy Award winning actress, um, a long history of um, shows that she played, you know, a long history of shows, um, television shows that she has done, um, stand-up comedy tours, stand-up comedy specials, yet she wasn't getting quite the right amount in her estimation. And that's what I mean by how, like, um, in the acting game, it's just, like, subjective. You know, there ain't no real rubric. I mean, some people do say there are, because, like, um, I remember hearing Cat Williams' rebuttal towards her. Cat Williams! He gave a rebuttal towards her many years ago now. This is, like, maybe when this whole first Monique... Uh, story surfaced like maybe I don't know five years ago something like that right I remember hearing Cat Williams talk about it where it's like um, he was breaking it down in terms of tickets sold during stand-up comedy tours that's how they can break down your value in one sense but that's not always true when it in relation to acting and there's different things or whatever blah 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 but generally speaking that's what they do. They try to like undermine you. Whereas like any other industry, there's, um, I have this skill. I did this. I had this value. I got trained here. I got this certificate. I got trained in this. I got educated in that, which equals what you pay me. Whereas in acting, they just try to they try to keep you down as long as they can. They're not going to be like, oh, wow, you're so great. You're so talented. You're so much, you're worth, like, if they bring you up in estimation, they also bring your fee up in estimation. That's why it benefits producers, the industry, to undermine an actor's worth. And when you really think about it, what sells a show? 
what sells a film. Yes, it's very important. Every element, the writing, the directing, the stage design, costumes, audio, lighting, that's all very important. But what is the initial push that gets people in the seats? The actor. The actor is what people see. Oh, oh, did you hear about the new Robert Downey Jr. film? Oh, did you hear about the new Brad Pitt film? Oh, did you hear about the new Denzel Washington flick? Oh, did you hear about the new, um, you know, Samuel L. Jackson film? Like, actors are what sell films initially. Unless you have a big name director, somebody like a Scorsese, Scorsese, Spaghetti's Scorsese, or like, um, you know, like a, you know, you know, that's a good enough example, Tarantino, something like that. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh yeah, we're going for his film. But generally speaking, actors are the salesmen of a film. And then of course, all the other elements are so important in a team, in just an objective sense, they're just, oh, you would say they're equally important. You know, you can't have a great actor in a trash production, right? It has to go like hand in hand. So that's what I'm saying. Like, um, Monique has a very good point. She has this track record of, um, you know, experience. She has a fan base. And she brings her image and her talent to a production. They sell the production on her back. Oh, starring Monique. Monique. She has a name in the industry. She has a fan base. So they want to use her image, use her skills, use her talent to sell the production. Yet they don't want to pay her the proper amount. Now, I don't know. To play devil's advocate here, I don't know either about what is the proper amount of payment. Because again, it's a, it's a scale thing. It's dependent on many things. You know, um, track record, history. You know, there's many ways in which it could be broken down. But to play devil's advocate, producing a film is a money pit. I've done humble, independent projects myself. And um, it's a money pit. You know, you're like, okay, um, we want to shoot a, let's shoot a little skit about um, takeout food. The funny things that happen when you order takeout food. Okay, well, first of all, we have to order the takeout food. How much does that cost? And we're going to be, you know, using the takeout food, throwing it on the ground. Da, 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 da. Like, so what? What's the budget for the takeout food, the prop? How much is that? What, are we going to spend like $200 on takeout food to make a video? Then what? We need space. Well, we can't shoot at my apartment. We can't shoot at your apartment. Well, I guess, well, what if we rent a office for the day? Yeah, we, okay, well, now we have to rent the office. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, shit, my recorder just broke. Oh, fuck, I don't own a microphone. Oh, well, we have to go rent that and buy it. It's a money pit. And imagine like these big productions where it's like they're employing dozens, if not hundreds of people. They need the cameras, they need the lighting, the wardrobe, the set, the location, transportation, catering, talent, the actors. So, you know, there's also got to be that reasonability with the actor that understands that business and is reasonable to deal with. 
but it's definitely, you know, definitely being an actor myself, I do see Monique's point where it's like, you know, here she is, a name in the industry, somebody worthwhile to partner with, and apparently she was getting low-balled. And, you know, from the Club Shay Shay interview, she seemed like she was very, um, she had the receipts, so to speak. It didn't seem like she was just spouting shit off. These motherfuckers ain't paying me or whatever. No, she has more of a lower type of, you know, they, Shannon, brother Shannon, they weren't paying me. I did this, I did that, and I have the receipts. You know, um, she didn't seem like the, she didn't really seem like such a hothead where she would just be freaking out and flipping out. It seemed like she did her homework and she was well aware and she learned through time the business. And she had her receipts, so to speak. So, you know, that's a little commentary from me. Um, yes, actors are often devalued because if they prop you up, that means everything comes with that. They got to pay you more. They got to, they have, it's a battle of ego as well too, you know? Like no one wants to kiss ass to somebody in life in general, right? And there's a lot of ego in performing. So if, you know, they're going to undermine you as an actor as long as they can. It's just my viewpoint. And sadly, what we're seeing with Monique is even when they shouldn't, even when she, even when you've arrived, there's still that game that's played. You know, Monique, established Oscar winner, you wouldn't think it would be such a difficult thing to, you know, get roles and work, but apparently it is. And I don't know if I buy that black woman thing. She made a very good point. She said something along the lines of, Shay Shay Shannon, if I was a white woman, what would my name be? Shannon's like, Mo, Mo, what are you talking about now? You ain't no white woman. Mo, Mo, what are you talking about? Shannon, if I was a white woman, what would my name be? Oh, come on now. I don't know, like these riddles. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, woman. <laughs> Shannon's just like, what? And she's like, Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. Um, you know, big, pretty, talented actress. Kind of physical in her... Um, comedy and you know you know funny just as you know I mean that would be a very good comparison Monique uh, Melissa McCarthy they're kind of comparable you know vanilla and chocolate though when you look at Melissa McCarthy does seem like a lot of things um, through her hard work and through her name recognition in the industry seems like a lot of things come easy to her not easy in terms of her work But, I mean, it seems like she's always working. You know, she has to bust her ass and perform just like anyone. But through her name recognition and her history, it seems like work comes to her. Whereas with Monique, same thing. She's got a work ethic and a history and some stature in the game. But it doesn't seem like things come easy to her in terms of work, in terms of recognition. So, I don't know. Monique made that point. Interesting. Food for thought. Then we get into the Oprah beef. Oprah Winfrey. 
Oprah Winfrey and Monique have a beef that's been going on, um, I guess, for years now. Not even really clear how it started, to be honest with you. I watched the Club Shay Shay interview, and what I gather from it is um, Precious, I believe, was produced or affiliated with Oprah. And Monique starred in Precious. Was co-star, you know, she won the Oscar for supporting actress, best supporting actress, I believe. So then, that's the whole connection, I believe. And prior to that, Oprah was a somewhat of a idol and a mentor to uh, Monique. I don't know about mentor, but definitely an idol. She mentioned looking up to her as a little girl. So then they get in business together, and that's when things go sideways. Um, Promotions for the film, I guess Monique felt exploited. Monique had, it's been known and mentioned that Monique was abused, sexually abused by her brother as a child, like from the ages of like 7 to 13, she was molested by her brother. So apparently that was known, and Oprah, in promotion of Precious, or in, for some reason or other, decided to have Monique's family on her show to discuss that issue. Monique even said it, or Monique even said it, Shannon said it. It's like, you know, here she is on a high, on a high in life. You know, she's winning Oscars, she's making films, she's doing stand-up. Why would you want to go back down to, oh yeah, remember that childhood trauma when I was abused by my brother? Yeah, let's have him on the show and talk about it. Like, it's kind of a strange angle, expose. But then again, that was very relatable to the film Precious. So it does make sense in that regard, you know, and it, and I believe Oprah, if I memory serves me, Oprah had mentioned, I could be wrong on this, um, I'll write a little addendum, I'll add a little addendum if I am wrong, but I, I recall Oprah had mentioned she had been abused on some level as well in her youth. So maybe it was a cathartic thing, maybe it was an issue that was near and dear to Oprah, maybe she just thought as like, you know, I've, I've suffered this, Monique suffered this. We have this film, Precious, which has really taken off. Let's use that as a vehicle to talk about this. And I don't know. She just wanted to talk about it, I guess. But it is a very weird thing. And Monique mentioned that and Shannon Sharp mentioned that. It's like, you know, you're winning Oscars. Do you really want to go back down into that hell from which you came from and talk about all that crap? I mean, for myself, when I think of my life now, the last thing I want to do is like rehash all my trauma and talk about things from the past. Like, I'm going to go forward, you know? And not that I have trauma in that regard. You know, I was never abused sexually or anything like that. But I mean, you know, just everyone's got their stories in life. And at some point, you just want to move on, correct? So, so anyways... That was one angle of the whole Oprah beef. Apparently, Tyler Perry, uh, the writer-director Tyler Perry, um, he's a very big voice in film. Apparently, um, 
he did like, you know, he, he put out a smear campaign labeling Monique as difficult to work with because she was demanding certain payment and this next Y and Z. And, um, you know, apparently she has him on tape. She videotaped it or she has him on audio. She recorded a conversation where Tyler Perry admits it was either Tyler Perry or Lee Daniels. I'm going to have to write an addendum again if I'm wrong. It's either Tyler Perry or Lee Daniels. She has on video, audio, audio, um, claiming to have, yes, I, 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 I wronged, I wronged you. I lied on you. I made a false statement saying you were a hard person to deal with. Like he spread a rumor, a false rumor. Apparently she has one of these directors on audio. However, when it comes to Tyler Perry, I will not allow you to discount or devalue because that is your voice on that audio. Mm -hmm. Remember on Good Times mm -hmm. when Penny's mother was whooping up on yeah. her and then and she had recorded it? Mm -hmm. That's you on tape. So how does it go from you saying you're going to give me an apology to now I owe you an apology? But what do you owe an apology for? What, what, what could I possibly owe you an apology for when you've admitted? See, when Lee Daniels says to me, because Cookie from the, the show Empire, yeah. I was offered that role. Now, Taraji tore it up, baby. Right. It Listen right. here. However, I was offered that. Then Felita called me back and say, baby girl, they said you're too difficult to work with. But you hear on the audio that a man told David Talbert I was difficult to work with. Do you see how that right. cost my family? Yes. And with no accountability? Because, oh, it's the great Tyler Perry? No, you've got to be accountable for that. Oprah Winfrey, you've got to be accountable for the things you've done with my family. You've got to be accountable for that. Is there any relationship between you and Tyler and you and Oprah currently? No. No. But I thought there was an apology. I, I read what there uh, that I thought I read somewhere that Oprah had issued you an apology and Tyler had issued an apology. That's not correct. No, no. The only person that's given you an apology. You saw it. It's Lee Daniels. That's the only person. So we are in a place where we're too afraid to call them for what it is. We're too afraid to say, if it looked like a duck and it quacked like a duck, what is it, Shannon? It's a duck. Right. So again, you see the struggle of the black woman as I'm sitting here talking to you, and you say, Mova, why would you record him? But you heard the man violate me. The first thing wasn't, I can't believe that cat did that to you. It's, why would you do it? And we understand it. Right. Because we've been conditioned that way. Because when you, you had to get somehow, because when you're telling people these are lies, yes. nobody is believing Monique. So now, even though you have him record his voice, and that's him, and he's saying he made it up, now it's no longer, oh, man, I can't believe he lied on Mo. Mo, why'd you record it? So now they put the owners back on you. Where's the win? How do we win? How does a black woman win when you say, here he is right here? And I look to the community and say, how long do we allow us to keep being exploited, used up, taken advantage of, and because we think somebody can give us an opportunity, mm -hmm. we just say, shh, I'm not going to say nothing. 
if we keep operating like that, Shannon, you're going to have a whole lot of us sitting right here in this same seat, almost telling the same story. So, you know, it was very insightful for sure. And um, when I think of the Oprah and Monique thing, I think of like the epitome, literally the epitome of that phrase, never meet your heroes. Like that to me seems like the epitome of that phrase. Because what I did understand from the podcast was that Monique, as a little girl growing up in Baltimore, she had this desire to be famous. She wanted to grow up and be some sort of performer. And she had this big dream, but she didn't really know how it was going to get there. Then she saw Oprah Winfrey. And she saw Oprah Winfrey, and then she's like, oh, wow, a big, heavyset woman like myself. I can go out and do this too. And not only did she have that idol, Oprah, she eventually met her idol. And she eventually worked with her idol. And she eventually got to a place in her career that was in connection to her idol. Precious. You know, when she goes and wins um, the uh, Best Actress Oscar, or Best Supporting Actress Oscar, a major milestone in any performer's career. You know? And, you know, like I can't really, I mean, I'm sure there are some stories out there, but I can't really think, I mean, to me that totally embodies the whole like never meet your idols because look how sour it turned. If Oprah called Mo today, would you sit down and have a conversation with her? Let me tell you what I'll do if Oprah called me today, Shannon Sharp. We will sit down and have a conversation with Oprah Winfrey. We will sit down and have a conversation with Tyler Perry. We will sit down and have a conversation with the presidents of Lionsgate. We will sit down and have a conversation with anyone that is... I'm going to say brave enough to sit down and have a conversation. But what happens is within seconds, within seconds, if Tyler Perry was to sit right here, you would say, man, I heard you. What you trying to tell me about this sister? Within seconds, Oprah Winfrey would know that people would say, hold up. See, when I speak about Oprah Winfrey, and let me be clear, I love that sister because she's our sister. Mm -hmm. She just got to come back across the street. We got the light on. When I speak about Oprah Winfrey, I speak about that woman because she's spoken about me. And when you begin to speak about me privately, I'm gonna speak about you publicly. You've been unfair, you've been unjust, and you watched a black woman be thrown under the bus and you've said nothing. And here's what's interesting as well. My husband was saying to me, after I won the Oscar award, right? Mm -hmm. And she had the people come, you know, to talk to the Oscar winners. And I go on the stage and I talk to the Oscar winners. Well, when we go to a commercial, the people in the audience, and I say this humbly as my husband was telling me, he said, Mama, they wasn't screaming Oprah. They were screaming Monique, mm -hmm. right? right? So much so, I had to say, y'all gonna shut that shit up now. We get ready to go back on the air. We right. having fun, right. right? He said, but I watched Oprah. He said, and I watched her almost turning her seat like they screaming her name. Now, some people will say, oh, Monique, you're, you're reaching. Well, let me tell you what then happens. 
The movie The Butler, mm -hmm. that movie was offered to me. Lee Daniels came out and said, I did offer Monique The Butler. But as he said to me, he said, Mo, at the time I didn't have no power and I didn't have no money. So when Oprah said she wanted it, so who played the lead role in The Butler? Oprah Winfrey. Lee Daniels was getting ready to do a biopic on Richard Pryor and he offered me the grandmother. Who then calls Lee Daniels and says, I want to be the grandmother. So as you're looking at me, it's the same way I'm looking at that sister. And I'm saying, why don't we sit down and have a conversation? Because the way things could look, it may not be that way, but just the way things look, Oprah, just the way you would have my family on your show, Oprah. One might say, mm -hmm. or people might say, well, Mo, I mean, the role calls for a, a heavyset black woman. You, Oprah, y'all fit the role. Yes. How do we know that she wasn't offered the role that long and, and people think that she's better, more, more qualified than you? It don't work like that, Shannon. You can't offer me. Once you say, I want you. Right. That's what it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I don't have the money <coughs> to fund a production. Right. I don't have the connections to go to the studio and say, listen, I want to do this movie. She does. Right. So when Lee says, hey, baby, she got the money, go get it. get it. But someone would just say, how is that working out like that? How is that happening like that? Mm -hmm. How is it that things that was offered to Monique, you seem to be playing? Now, I, I told Oprah about that. See, everything we're saying to you right now. You ha he was having a conversation with her. Listen here. I don't play the behind the back. I don't play the I'm going to share with Shannon. There's one thing I will share with you that I've not shared with anybody. Okay. But I don't play the behind the back and all of that. I say, listen, let me try to get to you first. Now, if you avoid me, okay. okay. But I tried to be respectful. I tried to call you first. When she had my family on her show, I tried to call you first. I tried to talk to you privately. But then you became the great, the great mighty Oprah Winfrey, and you were too busy to talk. Well, now I'm going to talk about it. This woman has overstepped with me so in so many ways that somebody would say, if we wasn't Monique and Oprah Winfrey in the entertainment business, and we was Monique and Oprah Winfrey that worked at Costco, <laughs> I see you in the break room. <laughs> I see you at your cash register. Because she's overstepped. Wow. So... I don't know, Monique. This might be the, the term crossing of the Rubicon. We might be going too far. Can I don't how do you if you feel that way? Because clearly if you feel this way. Now yes. I, I get why you feel this way. I don't know, like I said, I don't know this. I don't I, I'm taking you at your word. Now not 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 the Tyler because yes. I I've listened to the audio. Yes. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about Oprah. Yes. I'm just taking you at your word. Yes. If you feel this way. Is it possible she feels the exact same way about you? How could she? How could she? What have I taken from Oprah? When did I have Oprah's mother and father on my show? Mm -hmm. When did I have anybody come and speak about Oprah Winfrey on the Monique show? That's never happened. So how could she feel that way? Monique saying all sorts of things about Oprah. And in Oprah's defense, too, Oprah's a businesswoman. She's like a billionaire or something like that. So, you know, you got... You know, Monique was very vocal about her dissatisfaction with the Oprah thing. I don't know which came first, but, you know, 
Monique definitely wasn't quiet about it and didn't take it lying down if there was a problem. To which Oprah fired back, a shot back with interviews of her family and just nasty behind-the-scenes dealings. And it's like, wow. Like, Oprah, major showbiz mogul. And, you know, Monique, a famous actress, comedian, to go that far in business together and Oprah being Monique's idol at one point, you know, such a strange, tragic turn of events when you really think about it. It's like the epitome of never meet your heroes. I mean, they could get over it. They could solve it. They could come back together. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be a plot twist? Monique and Oprah reconnect. Because I know of Oprah, I mean, the only thing I never liked about Oprah was, I mean, a lot of people dislike Oprah for many reasons. I didn't like her because she was always on during Simpsons. You know? The Simpsons. The Simpsons song plays or whatever. Oprah was always on when Simpsons was on. So I'd rush home from school. I'm trying to watch Simpsons. My mom's like, out of the way, motherfucker. I'm watching Oprah. I'm like, oh, mom, for God's sakes, I want to watch Simpsons, please. No, we're watching Oprah. I was like, Oprah? You know, no offense to Oprah, but, you know, as a kid, come on, can you blame me? What would you really rather watch, Simpsons or Oprah? So, you know, always had to watch Oprah. Not always, but, you know, used to always piss me off. Anyways, Oprah was always on during Simpsons. But um, wouldn't that be a plot twist? Monique and Oprah reconnect. That'd be cool. Club Shay Shay, he invited Oprah on. Uh, Tyler, Oprah, I would greatly appreciate it if you two guys would come on Club Shay Shay. We sit down, we have a conversation. This is not an interview. This is not hard-hitting. I want you to tell your truth. Miss Oprah, uh, Tyler, tell your truth, and we can get to the bottom of this because... Hey, we got an icon here sitting on this couch, and she's hurting. Oprah and Tyler, I want to say I appreciate my brother Shannon Shaw for saying what he just said, and I want to clear something up. I'm not hurt personally. I'm hurt for our community. I'm hurt that y'all would allow yourselves to sit in something that you know that you've done wrong and not say anything. That helps us not. So Brother Shay Shay have said, y'all come on on the sofa. Oprah, this liquor is good, okay? <laughs> and I understand you like cranberry and vodka, okay? Roosevelt Cartwright told me, you drink that you like. And you know, he told me some other things, but the drink that you like, come on, on Uncle Shay Shay. Let's have a conversation. Ain't not, well, you took yours all the way down and I cannot, okay? Ooh. Okay, I cannot. I cannot do that. You already did a good job. Thank you, Sugar. That would be a... I would say if I was Oprah, that would be a must. Club Shay Shay is doing such great content right now. He's having his time. And um, he's already... And he's also had his previous history as a football player and a sports commentator. So he's just like riding his third wave. He's just riding the waves, man. And he's doing some great things. So, I mean, if... Some big things, and um, all eyes are on Club Shay Shay right now. So, yo, if Oprah, Oprah, I think, would have to answer. I would think. 
I would think any of these people, all these people, they're saying things like, we're not going to talk about it. Or when you're right, there's no need to defend. I mean, you're being called out in a very public way. You're a performer. Um, all performers, all artists, all creators value a badge of authenticity. So you have to you have to answer, I would say. Uh, go ha- Go state your case. Have your day in court. So... That'd be interesting. So yeah, that's my take. I saw the interview. I enjoyed it. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing from like these big players like Oprah, Tyler Perry, Lee Daniels, some of the comics that Monique called out, the whole D.L. Hughley fiasco. You know, D.L. was pretty heated about some of Monique's comments. I would love to see him answer long form with Club Shay Shay. And with Club Shay Shay, you know, going to the, going to the, uh, you know, get get on that seat of truth, get on that seat of truth, and um, state your case. You know what I mean? That's kind of where, I think, I think I would say, like as a professional and as performers as they are, I think they would have to answer in that venue, because that's where it's meaningful can't just put an Instagram photo up or an Instagram story or a YouTube story or a go on Vlad TV or whatever the fuck. Like, you have to show up to the actual venue and confront and um, state your case. Yeah. All those artists, I would say. I mean, they don't have to, but I mean, if they don't, it's not a very good look. And as everybody's been saying... No one's saying that they're not. As everybody's been saying, no one's saying that they're lying. Ain't no one saying they're lying. So, for optics, for public relations, PR sake, you know, to show your spine, I think you got to go and talk to Unk. Give Unk that interview and, you know, get to the bottom of these things. And really, I want to see it hashed out. Because at first, it was very kind of interesting and juicy gossip. And, you know, who doesn't like to see, you know, you smell blood in the water. And, ooh, cat calling this person out. Monique calling that person out. I'm getting to a place now where I'm just like, yeah, it's cool and it's great content. And... There ain't nothing like a spiritual ass whooping. Seeing somebody just lay down the truth, you know, and Club Shay Shay is the perfect venue for it. To see someone just tell their truth and that's where the buck stops and that's where the fucking, I'll be a monkey's uncle if you're going to fucking lie on my name, motherfucker, and lay it down, right? I like to see people tell the truth, but um, it also gets a little wearisome. Because it's like, you know, Club Shay Shay wasn't built on gossip and um, fucking chitter chatter. It was built on, you know, just quality interviews, quality conversations. Now, I guess this is where the conversation is being steered. I guess this is what the conversation needs at the moment. And um, it would be nice to see these artists overcome because they're all very talented, a lot of them. Well, 
That about does it for another episode of Jonathan Ramchand and the Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in, folks. Till next time. Hallelujah. It's your chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramchand. Signing off from duty on this magnificent February 10th in the year of our Lord, 2024. Yeah, Monique, Club cereal prices, milk prices. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please help my podcast out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks, you live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight. Peace.